welcome back to Culture Swap. My name is Betty. If you have listened to season one of this series, I'm happy to see you again. But if you are new to this podcast, I hope you will like it. In the last season, Culture Swap is a podcast where I will interview international students who came from different countries to talk about their study abroad experience and also learn more about the unique cultures and traditions of their countries. However, It's October, it's Halloween, so I want to open this season with a collection of horror stories and folklore from my guest countries who participated in season one. They told me good stories, and I cannot wait to tell them for you all right now. So let's just dive right into it. Before getting to any stories today, I want to like, apologize in advance if I pronounce any name wrong. I try my best, but I hope you enjoy the tale. Let's kick up strong with two folklore from Northern Ireland. The first story is about Finn McCoon and the Giant Causeway. Before getting into the tale, here's the background of the character and also the location. So Finn McCoon, also known as Fionn McCoonhell, is a character often seen in ancient Irish legend. According to the mythological text, he was portrayed as a hunter warrior. And the Giant Causeway is one of the island's most stunning natural attractions located in County Antrim in Northern Ireland. It was recognized by the UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1986 and consists of around 40,000 interlocking basalt columns that slide from land into the sea and is one of the most historical places in Ireland. Well now, the tale began. Northern Ireland was once home to a giant called Finn McCoon. When an art giant, Bananoner, from Scotland, threatened the Emerald Isle, McCoon tore off the Antrim landscape and flung its pieces toward the sea. It created a pathway from land to sea for Finn McCoon to reach his nemesis, Bananoner. However, McCoon knew he would not have much chance to win his enemy. So he asked his wife, Una, to help him. She disguised McCoon as a baby and hid him in a cradle. When Benandoner arrived, he was amazed by the power of the baby's teeth and the size of the baby himself. So he put his finger in Finn's mouth, now as a giant baby, to feel how sharp his teeth were. Finn then bit his little finger. Benandoner was scared of the prospect of meeting his father considering the baby's size, so he ran away back towards Scotland across the causeway and smashed it so Finn couldn't follow him. Therefore, what we see today is said to be what is left of the path that once those giants walked between Ireland to Scotland. Even though the first story is not too eerie, I'm now telling the second folklore from Ireland that possibly scares you a little bit more. So the tale is about the White Lady of Castlenock. The 
old legend surrounding Castle Knock and the hill on which the remains of the castle now stand occur during the excavations which were reported to have taken place years ago. In 1861, some accounts said that the workmen accidentally uncovered a pagan grave known as Cromlech when digging within the castle. The description of the Cromlech fits the burial place of people of importance in ancient times. The workmen uncovered and broke open a large flat stone. They also found a grave and a human skeleton beneath. The head and the larger bones were said to be in a good condition, alongside small heaps of dry, white dust. However, the rumor about a haunted castle knock castle began after the later story of the suicide of Ethelene Oprin in the 16th or possibly 14th century. And if the incident happened in the 14th century, John Terrell, the brother of Richard Terrell in Sixth Baron, was known as the villain of the tale. John was a violent and unpleasant man. When the Baron was away, he terrorized the neighboring families. It was also the beginning of his continually evil actions. One of the incidents involved Oprin, a Wicklock chief who lived south of the Chablizard near the Valley Fermat Hill. Terrell adopted the chief's beautiful daughter, Ethelyn Oprin, and imprisoned her in the Castlenock Castle. In the dead of the night, she heard a footstep approaching the room. So she opened the van with her breast pin and pled to death to avoid her fate. In the meantime, her father also gathered his friends and followers to attack the castle in an attempt to free his daughter. Tara was captured, but it was too late to save Ethelene. From then, generation to generation, people said that at midnight, Ethelene's ghostly figure was robbed in white and moved slowly around the castle walls, wailing in sorrow at her ultimate end. In The Nation, which was an Irish nationalist weekly newspaper published in the 19th century, there was a poem written anonymously talking about the event. And may I read that for you guys? When distant chimes sound midnight hour, the spirit pure is seen, and moving round the lonely tower, looks bright as moonlight beam, and as the moonbeams teem the walls, and light the turret's breast, toss hands, she says, my spirit fled, tis there my bones by rest, and here I wander, year by year, for such my lot has been. But soon at end my penance prayer, I rest in joy unseen. Now we are moving to Egypt, the land of splendid architecture and mysteriously interesting meetings. So let's begin with the story of the water gene inhabiting in the Nile River, Enadeha. The origin and the exact place in Egypt where the legend originated were unknown but it first appeared in the early 20th century with farmers swearing to their wives and God that had seen her on nights with bon fog and moonlight. Prior to the introduction of Islam, 
In ancient Egyptian mythology, numerous water spirits and deities govern the Nile rivers, such as Anukit, the goddess of the Nile and the nourishers of the fields, or Nymphis, the goddess of rivers, dead, mourning the dead and night. The modern legend of Enadeha grew in popularity in the 1950s, giving more menace and then glooming stories about the spirit herself. So Enadeha, roughly translated as the caller, and also known as the Egyptian siren, is described as a very beautiful, tall woman with long, flowing black hair who wears a long, transparent dresses. According to the tale, Enadeha pulls herself from the Nile embankments out of the undercurrents to breathe. Her black hair is plastered to her nape. Her dress wet and heavy, where shoulders meet color. And now she's about to start the hunt. Her swang song carries for miles, and it is the last her prey will ever hear. Honey heavy and tragic. She's barefoot and in love with her own misery, prowling the delta region with slow, deliberate intent. Her hypnotizing, soft voice pulls a man from his home into her arms. A man will walk miles from his farmland, willingly kneeling in black mud on the river banks to follow her. She will know his name from brief conversation and slowly pull him further into the water. She will sing to him a parody of real love that he will wholeheartedly believe. The song seems like a lullaby for his endless sleep after being drowned to death. If he's lucky, his death will be swift and unassuming. If the man is unlucky, Enadeha may fall in love with him and drag him down to her cabin, which is a hidden dark nook where water is violent and fickle. She will give herself to him for months. When she gets bored or fears abandoned, she will bury the man alive in the soil of her cabin before rising to hunt again at nightfall. To this day, there are cautionary tales about this gene, warning children and men alike not to veer too close to the banks of the Nile. Moving forward with more horror stories, I would love to tell you one short folklore from Indian, Naleba. This urban legend dates back to the 1990s and remains one of the most widely known and feared urban legends of the country. And here is how the legend began. The story of Bangalore which began in the 1990s when she first made her rounds through the city. She was an incredibly powerful being, capable of speaking in the voices of people's close relatives in order to deceive them into open their doors. Once open, the victims would die immediately after. Some have speculated that the Bangalore witch was actually a form of dark magic, given its ability to take on the voice of any person, dead or alive. Others claim that she was some sort of supernatural creature or even a human being with magical powers. 
The phrase naleba can be roughly translated to mean come tomorrow in Canada. And it's believed that saying it out loud three times will ward off the Bangalore witch and any other evil spirits that may lurking in the area. Moving on, do you know that Kuwait also remains some scary urban legends? I'm not an expert or native, but here's a scary story I've found that hopefully will make your Halloween spookier. The tale began with the Dark Lady of Bayan. So Bayan is one of the most haunted areas in Kuwait, especially in the inside streets. It is said that at night people witness a dark lady roaming the inside street of Bayan and walking in the street that faced the houses from both sides. Nobody could see her face clearly because of the distance, but it is believed that her face isn't quite visible. And she has sparkly red eyes that terrify anyone who sees her directly. No missings or deaths are reported related to this legend, but there was a story of two young kids who saw her from their window and looked directly at her eyes. The day after, the kids had a fever, but soon got away. It's not a really spooky story, but it's, it's somehow interesting to me, so I hope you also enjoyed this story. And moving on, I want to move to Pakistan. And Pakistan also has some scary stories for you to tell in the dark. And now, I'm more than ready to tell you about the story of 40 dead children of the Chiltern range of Baluchistan. There was a poor couple who couldn't have children, so they go a lot of like places to seek for help of many clerics and healers. One such healer's son said that he would be able to help them even though many couldn't. He spent many nights praying and the couple was not only blessed with one but 40 children. Due to poverty, the couple was unable to take care of 40 children. So the husband decided to leave them on the mountaintop to fend for themselves. If you go to the peak of the Chiltern Range of Baluchistan at night, you can hear children crying out in sadness and begging you to climb up the mountain to rescue them. If that story is not scary enough for you, I'm now keep you in a fear with a story about the Bride of Carsas. Karsas Road is the haunted road in Karachi, Pakistan. The tale began to spread when a newlywed couple got into a car crash on this road. The groom died in the accident. The bride was truly heartbroken by the incident that she also killed herself right after that. Since then, there have been several sightings of the bride dressed in red that lingers around the road. But it gets even more sinister when several people have reported that a beautiful bride stands on the side of the road at night, signaling late night travelers for help. Once they stop, 
the prize face turned into something unearthly, almost like a decomposing dead body. As we gradually move toward the end of the podcast, I'm not sure if any of those urban legends have scared you that much, but I am personally scared of this tale from China. The tale is about a bus route 375. The bus route 375 is an urban legend that once was. Trending on social media in China during 2008 to 2010, it goes like this: A young man and an elderly lady were waiting on the bus route 375 at the Qishengmen stop. It was a cold winter's night, about 10 to 11 p.m. Not many people were still wandering around that area. As it got freezing at night in North China, soon the bus came. There were only two people on the bus: the driver and the bus ticket salesperson. The young man and the old lady got on the bus. Shortly after a while, the bus arrived at the next stop. Three people wearing long robes got onto the bus too. Suddenly, the old lady lost her temper with the young man. Accusing him of stealing her wallet, the salesperson tried to stop the fight, but the old lady demanded to get off the bus with the young man to go to the police station as soon as possible. The young man was confused and upset, but he followed the old lady to get off the bus. The bus went away. He asked the old lady why she would do so. The old lady said, "Those three people are not human." They wear long robes to cover their feet, because they cannot walk as living people do. I saw them floating in the air. The next day, the bus terminal at the old summer place reported that the driver and salesperson had gone missing to the police. The police then found the bus was going on a detour to a rural area near Fragen's Hills. The bus was upside down in a gutter. The driver and salespersons were all dead, with their necks snapped. But the three persons with long robes were nowhere to be found. No one had ever seen them again. So I don't know if it's true, but there's a rumor saying that、um, the distance between the bus stop where they pick up three of the weird people. Compared to where they found the bus at the end, is very far away, and the bus doesn't have enough gas to go that far. So when they go in to check the gas of the bus, they realize that there is no gas inside, but is run by blood. So I don't know if it's true, but kind of spooky. Okay, so we have gone through a lot of like. Interesting story so far, and I know it's time for me to travel back to my homeland and tell you guys some of the urban legend from my country. So, firstly, is the story about Malai. So, Malai are one of the most terrifying creatures in the folklore of ethnic minorities living in the Vietnam mountainous Tây Nguyên region. By daytime, they are said to walk among us disguised as women, 
usually young and beautiful if constantly appearing sleepy. At night, however, their heads reportedly detach from their bodies, dragging bloody organs with them to float around to feed on carrion, excrement, and other rancid stuff. It is also said that if someone whose excrement is consumed by malai is cursed with eternal hunger and will eventually wither and die of starvation no matter how much food they eat. However, malai must return to their bodies before sunrise, otherwise they will be burned to death by sunlight. Therefore, the easiest way to vanquish one is to hide her body so that she cannot reattach her head. Similarly, creatures are also seen in the folklore of many other Southeast Asian countries, including Thailand, Malaysia, and Cambodia, where they are known under different names such as Krasu, Ab, or Penangal. It seems that our cultures share a lot of like similarities with one another, and if you also have Netflix, you can also check out the Thai movie called Inhuman Kiss. It's also talking about this type of like folklore creature, Malai, but I believe like in the movie they call it Crashu. So it's a, it's a very sad but good movie, so check it out if you want. So we're moving on to the last tale of this podcast. And the second tale is quite strange to me because it's also my first time hearing about this. But I think it's interesting, so I want to share with you all. So in some Vietnamese urban legend, Thang Jom are the evil spirits often appear near new graves. It is said that they torture newly dead people's souls for information about their living relatives. With this information, Thang Jom can reap the souls of those living people as well, leading to instances where several family members die within short time period of one another. Appearance-wise, these spirits are described as blackbirds with blood-red beaks. Some stories also claim that they only have bird-shaped heads, but with human bodies. Of course, no one has ever seen such creatures. Regardless, story of Thang Jom have become inspiration for a Vietnamese horror game of the same name, in which the player explores deep alleys of Hanoi and uncovers dark secrets hidden within. Okay, it's quite enough scary story before your bedtime, isn't it? I hope you have a great rest of your Halloween day and have a good night. They are urban legends, but they can be real stories, depending on what you think. Well, have a good night, y'all, and please come back for upcoming episodes where I will get back as like a friendly host to interview our lovely international student at TU. Okay, bye, stay warm.